This is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Turns out, even with the massive spread of Omicron and the resulting spike in hospitalizations and deaths, Omicron could turn out to be a long-term benefit in moving on from the pandemic. Another problem people with long COVID might have to worry about are long-term heart issues. We start with Omicron and stumbling into herd immunity in this country. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington estimates almost three in four people in the country are immune right now to Omicron because they either were infected or were vaccinated. So with us now is Dr. Theo Voss, professor of health metric sciences at the Institute. So, Dr., roughly, what, 30, no, not 30, 73 percent of Americans may be immune now to Omicron. How did you get to uh, that figure? Yeah, it's a, a number of things that uh, that uh, come together. Um First, it is the proportion of people who have been vaccinated. And then depending on the type of vaccine and the number of vaccinations that people have received, we can estimate what proportion have protection against uh, 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 the Omicron virus. Then secondly, there are lots and lots of people who've already become infected by Omicron and by natural infection have uh, built up uh, immunity. And that proportion is rather large because there's a large proportion of people who become infected with Omicron who don't even notice. Including then the statistics, doctor, when, when you're talking about those of us who have, say, have been vaccinated, but to our knowledge, uh, have not gotten the Omicron variant, are you presupposing that the current vaccines would still grant a degree of immunity to the Omicron variant? Yeah, it depends a little bit on the, on the type of vaccine. Um, uh, but there is a partial immunity uh, against uh, a new variant like uh, Omicron. It's not great, uh, and hence you see the spite. Uh, but uh, I think the, the important thing is that uh, even among vaccinated people, there will be quite a few people who will have become reinfected without really noticing it uh, because they uh, uh, they didn't uh, develop any symptoms. So what do we do at this point with this kind of info? Oh, count of... ourselves incredibly <laughs> lucky yeah. that, uh, that Omicron came around uh, and, yes, has been much more uh, infectious uh, than, uh, than the previous uh, uh, variants, and particularly Delta, which had uh, pretty severe consequences. But what happens when and I'm saying when, not if, uh, another variant comes along that might be far more pernicious than Omicron. Yeah, uh, of course, you know, that's a big unknown. But we predict that um, for a next variant to take over from Omicron, it would have to have additional benefits in spreading because that's how you know the selection of viruses uh, happens and therefore we expect that uh, a new variant when it comes up around is likely to be even more transmissible and may 
likely share the characteristic that uh, in order to become that much more transmissible, that it will concentrate more on the upper airways. And so uh, it may well be that, uh, that the next variant uh, will have the relatively modest uh, health effects uh, like Omicron. So does that mean we do this whole dance again? If it has this transmissibility, but it's not as severe, do we have to do the masking? Are we concerned about hospitals if it spreads so fast? Or is it, you know what, if long as we can keep it to flu levels for hospitalizations or deaths, then we've seen this kind of thing before? Yeah, I actually think that, um, you know, in peak season, of transmission of these uh, respiratory viruses, so including uh, influenza, uh, it may still be a, a, a not a bad idea in, in crowded uh, indoor environments to wear a mask. But uh, it's likely that you know it's a much more manageable uh, problem where we also no longer really need to go out gung ho and test everyone with symptoms. Uh, it's probably enough if we have sentinel sites, you know, general practitioners who um, have been selected to send everyone with uh, airway uh, complaints uh, for testing so that we keep uh, track of uh, when uh, a new variant uh, uh, appears. And this is a system that's been in place in many countries for influenza. For those who are vaccinated, the future of future vaccinations would be what in your view? Not so easy to predict, but uh, it's likely that uh, there would be beneficial effects uh, from um, uh, repeat uh, vaccination, possibly with adjusted vaccinations that uh, that are more in tune with uh, uh, the variant that is uh, is around, and hopefully there will be also progress with vaccine manufacturers to um, develop a vaccine that is more universal. Dr. Theo Voss at the University of Washington. People suffering from long COVID are already dealing with a wide array of somewhat mysterious symptoms, gastrointestinal problems, brain fog, fatigue, even the onset of diabetes in some cases. And now there's one more concern to add to the list. Potential for long-term heart damage tends to impact women more as they deal with things like chest pain and erratic heart rhythms. With us is Dr. Purvi Parwani, director of the COVID-19 Heart Clinic at Loma Linda University Health. So is the virus causing actual damage to patients' hearts? Um, that's a great question. So um, I think what we are seeing with COVID is COVID definitely can lead to direct damage to the heart. So if we look at the patients that are admitted to the hospital due to COVID-19, uh, almost 20 to 40% of those patients will have evidence of some sort of injury to the heart. And these range from um, you know, heart attack to arrhythmias to some sort of heart inflammation, what we know as myocarditis, but also cases 
cases of heart failure. So that's kind of the extreme people that are admitted to the hospital with COVID. But we also see COVID long haul cardiac symptoms. And these are the patients that continue to have symptoms uh, beyond three weeks. And uh, you know what we know is uh, almost one in three patients that get COVID-19 infection will have COVID long haul symptoms. And these symptoms range from palpitation, chest pain, shortness of breath. Sometimes they get dizzy. Sometimes they can have uh, um, infection, um, you know, leading to what we call uh, effect on the nervous system. Um, so those are in general, um, you know, the effect of COVID-19 on heart. So I, I want to make sure I understand and the listeners understand fully the statistics you're giving. So you're saying that what, that a, a third of people who get uh, symptomatic or maybe even uh, asymptomatic COVID infections end up with some form of long-haul symptoms uh, often involving the heart? Is that the figure? That's correct. Yeah, one-third of the patient, even with mild infection or um, in some cases, um, you know, completely asymptomatic infection can develop uh, COVID long haul. Now, when we say cardiac symptoms, these symptoms range from extreme fatigue, chest pain, chest tightness, shortness of breath, palpitations, we are seeing new onset blood pressure, people who never had blood pressure issues suddenly coming with uh, blood pressure issues. So yes, all of those are possible. And that's why in the first place, we don't want patients to get COVID infection. I, I, I was going to ask, does this include that figure, uh, the one third people who are also fully vaccinated? Um, Actually, so, you know, these uh, statistics came from uh, last year when we did not have that many vaccinated individuals getting. Uh, what we have seen in last few months is definitely vaccinated individuals are getting infection. And what we know so far is long haul COVID severity and incidence are less in vaccinated individuals than in unvaccinated people. We know that long COVID sometimes can pass. Other times it's really long COVID. What about some of these symptoms? I mean, can you bring that blood pressure back down? Or if you've got actual palpitations or some kind of heart damage going on, damage is done and that's that's what it is. No, that's a great question. So that's what we are trying to understand um, by, um, you know, uh, systematically studying these patients. So what I can tell you from my experience running this clinic um, since uh, last year is that uh, most of these patients do get better. Um, most of them, um, you know, within six months, they will have betterment of these symptoms. They are able to, you know, keep up with that, uh, their activity, the fatigue subsides, the chest pressure pain subsides. But we do have patients in our clinic who had, um, you know, very mild COVID infection and they continue to have symptoms beyond one year. Um, you know, which is what we don't understand. Why do some patients, um, you know, carry these symptoms uh, way beyond uh, after the COVID infection is over? Dr. Purvi Parwani, director of the COVID-19 Heart Clinic at Loma Linda University Health. We end today's Coronavirus Daily with a story about the global drop-off in COVID cases over the last few weeks. And with that comes a question. Is this a sign of Omicron's flame-out after a terrifyingly fast spread around the world, or is the drop in reported cases due to a decline in COVID testing? The World Health Organization weighed in on that today, saying it was far too early to declare that the worst of Omicron is behind us. The WHO pointed to surging numbers of people killed by COVID worldwide, 
the sixth week in a row where global coronavirus deaths increase. The organization fighting what looks to be a losing battle to have countries keep their restrictions in place for a little while longer. The chief of emergency medicine saying this idea that we're just going to abandon everything. I think it's a very premature concept in many countries right now. It comes as uh, the same day that uh, this state, California, declaring it's moving from the pandemic thinking to an endemic approach. This is Odyssey Original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.